Hey, welcome back to Season 3 of Pigeonal Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to welcome special guest, the GM and head coach of the NCDC's Provo Predators, Nick Dreyer. Nick, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing good. We're doing good. I know both of you had little ones in the last year or two, so you've all been adjusting your sleep schedules and also launching yourselves to tier two programs. So how are you two doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing, I'm just, I, feel, I feel like Nick there. I'm doing well. I think, uh, you know, adjustment was definitely an adjustment. I'm sure Nick can attest to that. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a fun journey. Yeah, because yeah. Nick, how old is uh, your little one now? My little one just turned two, um, so he's good. Like, uh, obviously, he's going through a very fun stage right now. A lot of different <laughs> stuff going on uh, in his world. So, but everything's been good, uh, really good. Just, you know, it's nice to get a few months here where I'm not spending every single day at the rink. And, you know, I can spend a little bit more time with them in the evenings and stuff. So, it's been great. Yeah, and Sebastian, how old is your little one now? I just turned six months. Um, actually, as, as I say that, we're actually kind of heading into the seventh month, but uh, it's been good. He's uh, teething and then and, and starting to crawl and all those things. So it's uh, it's definitely been it's been fun. Um, you know, at the personal side of things, it's been it was a challenge, obviously, at start. And you know, we've talked about the things kind of I went through and and the things that our family went through. And now uh, things are looking up. Things are looking good. Um, he's on a sleep schedule. Would knock on wood. Um, that's the greatest thing in, in the world. Um, you know, my wife and I have a, f- a few minutes to spend together and, and have dinner together um, alone now. And, you know, um, the hockey side of things, um, you know, they take the jump, but, you know, it's a little less busy now. I'm not a uh, head coach GM, so I don't have 400 parent emails every single night to, to answer. So <laughs> it's it's kind of been nice to to just get back and worry about coaching and have a little bit more time for family time. So it's, it's, uh, it was a jump that obviously for as a hockey coach you know, I wanted to make, but uh, as a parent, I think helped a lot too. I can imagine going up there now to the CCHL, uh, the Carlton Place Canadians. That's a huge leap. So congratulations. And Nick, the Pro Predators, I know NCDC, speaking of Tier 2, we'll definitely talk signings and other stuff later because I got what I got in terms of my little tracker. But uh, taking the, the shift up to NCDC, uh, how's that been going? It's been really good. I mean, I think in, in, at the early stages, it was very stressful. Um, one thing I will uh, correct you on right away is I am no longer the head coach. I forfeited those duties oh. uh, in, in in lieu of Ray Tremblay, who's coming in from uh, Vancouver Island area. Uh, he's got some pro experience, but Ray's going to take the reins as the head coach. I'm going to be the general manager, but the two of us combined are a uh, kind of two-headed monster, we like to call it. Uh so that's that's a really good news for me in the sense that I'm sure Sebastian can speak to that too. It's just a lot of a lot of different hats you wear at this level. So anytime you can get some good quality help, uh, you're you're jumping the opportunity to take it. So uh, you know there's a lot of unknowns coming into it, um, but you know after a few conversations, it was pretty clear right away that, that Ray's a really really good coach. He's a really really good human being, and uh, I think both of us would tell you the same thing. We're just really excited to work together and and get this thing off the ground at the tier two level. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, sorry for miss uh, quoting you there as uh, the head coach GM. But I mean, I know that both roles are incredibly taxing. So 
you know, now that you're you're the GM, uh, solely the GM, uh, and you have a full-on head coach, what kind of led you down the road to uh, to hire? Uh, you said his name is Ray, yeah, Ray Tremblay. Correct, correct. And yeah. and honestly, like the the fact that it hasn't really been publicly spoke about for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, when we started this process early in the season this past year, um, you know, there's there's kids that you build relationships with, and uh, you know kids that we have signed for next year. And it was more of a thing on our end where we wanted to have those conversations with the kids about how this process was going um, rather than them just seeing a post on our website about, Hey, you know, we just hired head coach Ray Trombley. And then we know sit there wondering, okay, like what the heck's going on here. Right. So we wanted some time for us to be able to have those conversations with our guys that we have internally. uh, So we could talk them, you know, basically let them know and inform them what's going on so they could hear it from us. Uh, Uh, That way it's easier to understand. It's easier to process. And, you know, I think everybody's excited about it. But as far as the, you know, the general manager side is always something I've been extremely passionate about. Um, You know, it all started a few years ago in Ogden, uh, working with Kenny there. But, uh, you know, I'm a relationship builder and, you know, the head coach stuff's great. Like, I I love doing it. I, I have a passion for both of them. But, you know, I would say as far as doing one or the other uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to go down this path of just strictly being the general manager and, and, you know, assistant head coach. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to work with Ray. I think we're both, like I said, excited to get this whole thing off the ground and running. We got a lot of exciting things going on, but uh, I can promise you guys it's, it's a lot easier and smoother process having a, another equal side by side with me rather than trying to do everything myself. So. I can imagine. I'm, I'm sure Sebastian can talk more to that. I haven't. Uh, I haven't done either. And uh, <laughs> him just coming off of it, I'm. I'm sure he feels uh, last year's stress for you. Oh, absolutely. And actually, two things here. One, Fala under PHH breaking news, uh, exclusive pigeonhole podcast. You know, Nick breaking the news to us. I appreciate that. Um, and the second, Nick, actually, I actually got a question for you. Um, I, I kind of feel in the same way as you were. I'm, I'm a relationship builder. Um, I, I'm more than happy to be an assistant coach. Not that a head coach, nothing wrong with being a head coach. Um, I did love it. Um, but how did you find kind of dealing with, obviously, you know, the head coach hat, but still co- trying to build relationships? Do you find that, you know, a bit of a struggle day in and day out sometimes? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I think it's a, it's a big difference, you know, when you go from tier three to tier two. Um, like, frankly, like, especially in the U.S., right, when you talk about tier three hockey, you kind of have to, you kind of have to put up with some stuff that you normally wouldn't put up with at the tier two level as far as, you know, being a little bit more patient with, uh, maturity levels of kids and, and talent level of kids. Like, you know, we had, we had a full roster last year, tier three, which I think, you know, speaks volumes of our organization because, you know, like it's no secret we finished last in our division. Right. But, you know, we had 18 wins and I think at, at any given time, 10 of them were against teams that were within the top 50 of the country. And, uh, you know, it just speaks to you know how tough our division was last year, but genuinely we think like the guys were here because they loved it here and they wanted to be here, but it's uh man, I'll, I'll tell you what, like, you know, waking up every day and going to the rink with with that stress on your shoulders of, you know, putting together practice plans and game plans and doing video, cutting that all yourself and, uh, you know, line management, you know, personal management as far as, you know, making sure these guys are okay from a mental health standpoint, having conversations with them. And, you know, it's it's a long, grueling process. And, you know, this isn't a typical nine to five job already, but when you're running an organization and trying to do everything, you know, pretty much by yourself from a hockey standpoint, um, it's tough. Like it's very tough. And like, thankfully for me last year, uh, I had a good group of kids. Like we, we didn't really have many kids that were, that were issues or problems that we had to deal with. 
and uh, you know they worked hard and they enjoyed being there. So it always makes it a pleasant experience to go to the rink when when everybody's excited to be there, and, and that's what we had last year, and hopefully what we have this year too. I think you nailed on the head there. Um, you know, it's that I found the same thing where it was I wouldn't call it a struggle, but you know, you kind of have that like as an assistant coach is I think for me, like I've always kind of been that, that guy who wants to talk to everybody. I'll make sure everyone's good. And, you know, you, you, you got to kind of build that, that trust and respect two ways. So that way, you know, when you're not, I wouldn't say lean in, but when you have to kind of lean in on the guys a little bit, you know, you kind of, they understand it's coming from the heart and it's not just kind of malicious and you're just on them about things. Um, And that was kind of the thing last year where it was hard because like I had to be the guy who, you know, if we're at a rink, you know, make sure the guys are acting respectfully and then cleaning up the room and doing those things. And, and then you're trying to also, you know, make sure, like you said, mental health is good with them. You know, things are going well at home and, you know, trying to be that shoulder that they kind of lean on if they, they need somebody, but at the same time kind of having to be the hammer that comes down when, you know, maybe things aren't done the right way. Um, and I just mean like off the ice, I just like respecting your opponents and respecting the rinks and all that kind of stuff. But lucky enough, I mean, like you, we're surrounded by by good people and, and our owner, and and now my head coach, you know, Brent Sullivan, CP. It, it's it's big. They actually got a, um, uh, I can't think of it, like a support dog um, to come around with the guys and just kind of bring a little happiness in the day and things like that. So lucky enough, just kind of like you, or you know, being in a good organization kind of makes that job a little bit easier. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. I guess going into it last year, I didn't really have a full, I mean, I did and I didn't in the sense that, you know, Kenny does a tremendous job in, in Ogden, but I will tell you, you know, I'm sure, you, I don't know if you guys have spoken or met Kenny. I know you've had some conversations with, with me regarding our program when I was there, but, you know, Kenny's a tremendous coach. Um, but I think if Kenny was on here with me, he would tell you that uh, he, he's a control, like he, he loves to, he loves to have his hands in the control side of, of the organization, right? Because that's what he's building. Um, he doesn't take days off. He doesn't shut his phone off during the evenings. He's answering calls all the way up till midnight. And, uh, you know, seeing that as an assistant coach, I don't really think I had an appreciation for it until I took the reins over last year with Provo. Uh, kind of understanding what exactly that meant, because for me, you know, just being in Ogden and, and you know, being Kenny's assistant, you know, it, it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun, you know, going to the rink every day. They had good ownership with the Wilmerts and uh, the fans. there were tremendous. The, the, the group of guys we had there were great. Uh, but, you know, I always walked away from it thinking, you know, man, Kenny should just kind of relinquish some of this, you know, power and, you know, let me help him out a little bit more. And then you realize once you get into it, it's tough to do. It really is, especially when you want things run a certain way and, you know, you can get them done and you get into a rhythm. Um, and, and that's kind of what I fell into last year is, you know, the good thing for, for Kenny is that I do think like, you know, between him and myself and Steve and, you know, all the volunteers and stuff that we had involved in that program there there's a lot of help. Like where last year, you know, we had some good volunteers. We have a, a great broadcaster and Pat Parrott. Um, and, you know, but as far as infrastructure goes, there just wasn't a lot of it there. So everything from meal planning to hotel booking to paperwork, when we signed players, uh, cutting video, watching that stuff on a daily basis, you know, putting together all that stuff. There just, it was a lot of work and there's no way to prepare yourself for it rather than, you know, being an assistant at that level, which I did. And I can tell you guys straight up like that, that did not prepare me for it as, as much as it could have, um, as much as I would have thought it would have, I guess would be the best way to save it until you actually get thrown into the lion's den and start doing that stuff. Uh, it's an animal all by itself. And at the end of the day, everything's for the kids, right? So, you know, that was, that's the reason you endure and push through it and, and keep fighting and try to make it the best you can make it is because at the end of the day, it's all for the guys. So, uh, you know, we had a great season. We started off kind of slow, um, which I think a lot of people thought we would based on being a new organization and a, a very good division. 
but I do think coming down the stretch there, we played some really good hockey. We beat some really good teams. Um, you know, we obviously gave Pueblo all they could handle uh, through a three-game playoff series, and, and that's a tremendous organization that's got a long history of, you know, doing things right and, and filling buildings with fans. And, you know, they've got great coaching staffs and ownership over there. So, you know, we were thrilled at the end of the day to just kind of have our hat in the mix as, as far as competition goes with the division. So, yeah, it was an exciting playoff series for sure. And uh, yeah, it didn't end the way you, you would want it to. But uh, wow, I mean, it was, I think, the longest of the three playoff series uh, in terms of, uh, I think you guys went into double or triple overtime at one point. Am I correct? Yeah, so we won game one. We played really well. And they, they were like, you know, it was such a strange series in the beginning because Pueblo had such good goaltending all year. And they had three guys that I mean, you could have you could have literally thrown any of them in the crease any given night, and they would have been great. But Tibbins was really good, and you know I fully yeah. expected to see him. And when we saw him, you know we thought it was going to be a very low scoring game, but he did not have his best game against us in game one. And uh, we got to him, you know we got to him pretty well, and you know we think okay we're in a good spot. Like this is the guy we were kind of worried about. Then they put in you know the other goalie, the Swedish kid Bjork, and. He was unbelievable. Uh, he played out of his mind, um, you know, through that second game. You know, we had a 2 nothing lead going into the third. I want to say around 10 or 11 minutes left in the game, um, they scored a power play goal. And then we were kind of hanging on for dear life. And I'll never forget, like, after the regulation time ended, and it's 2-2, two to two, right? You know, Chris Wilhite, all the credit in the world to Chris, but Chris knew, like, you know, he knew we were kind of on our heels, right? So he was he was telling the refs, like, you know, oh, hey, like, there's no there's no intermission. Like, we just go straight into overtime. We go straight after it here. And, you know, I, I'm sitting there arguing, and I felt like I was arguing against 10,000 people because of the way their fans were and the way the building was. But we ended up jumping straight into overtime, which, you know, I know from our series two years ago against the Northern Colorado Eagles that there's full intermissions and full 20-minute periods, right? So, you know, so I'm arguing my case, and the refs are eventually like, well, we can't get a hold of the league. We don't know. So we're just going to jump right into overtime, which is fine. We ended up doing okay. We got our game. We, you know, we got our traction back under us and started playing our game and, you know, went to double overtime and then triple overtime. They scored, you know, I, I want to say five minutes or so into triple overtime, but it was, I think the second longest game in, in history in the USPHL. I'm not positive about that, but I think so. Cause I think the first longest game was our game against Northern Colorado with Ogden a couple of years ago that went uh, to the very end of the third overtime, I believe. So it was a it was a tough game to lose in that fashion, right? When you have a 2-0 lead with a chance to close out a series. And and the struggle for me was the goaltending going into game three. Saba was was unbelievable in game one. He was very good in game two. But you go <laughs> you go into you know the the third game of that series, and in my mind, you know, that's Saba's series to play out, but he had also played, you know, nine periods, right? So it was a very, very tough decision for me. And, you know, he was begging me to play and, you know, talking to our training staff, you know, our strength conditioning coach, Tyler, you know, he's, we, we decided to, to let him start the game and see how it played out. And Saba had some cramp issues and some growing issues in the second period and had to leave the game. So that was a learning experience for me as a coach, but uh, Bryson came in and did a great job. But at the end of the day, it was a, it was a tremendous series. And I think, you know, as far as respect goes, you know, we have a ton of respect for Pueblo and what they do and, uh, you know, they they obviously went the next weekend and took Ogden to three games. So there was a lot of parity in our division last year, but it, it was a great playoff experience and a great series. It just unfortunately we came out, you know, on the bottom side of it a little bit. So it was a great series. Now you're looking at this year and uh, I haven't seen any um, in particular 
uh, Provo related, so to speak, signings from last season yet. But um, I do have at least 10 players that I have as being tendered. And I actually am very familiar with seven of them. So let's briefly, I guess, kind of discuss if you're all right with that. These uh, 10 players and we'll start with the players I'm not as familiar with. So on the on the back end, you got Gavin O'Hara, the uh, left handed defender out of uh, Chicago, Illinois, who's a 2005. Yeah, uh, really excited about Gavin. I actually just talked to him last night just to check in and see how how summer's going and everything. Um so Gavin, you know, so a friend of mine, Rob Hudson, uh, you know, he's based out of Chicago. He's been coaching North Jersey Avalanche for the last couple of years. Uh, his two kids play for for BU, right? Uh, Lane is the one that's drafted by Montreal that's probably going to be playing there here in the next couple of years. Uh, but Rob, you know, came to me pretty early on and said, hey, I've got a defenseman on our U18 team in our program that, that I think would be a perfect fit for you. He's already played out West a little bit when he was younger. Uh, you got to check this kid out. So, you know, I started watching Gavin and uh, he's a monster, man. He's big, he's strong, he's mobile. He hits like a truck. He's got a really heavy shot. You know, I think if you look at some of these guys we've brought in from a defensive standpoint, um, some of them haven't even been announced yet. You know, we're a very, very big team. Um, I think yesterday or the day before looking at it with Ray, we have three or four defensemen that are six, six, three, six, four or bigger. Um, so big mobile guys, but yeah, Gavin's got a very, very high potential, like a very high ceiling and he does all kinds of different things, right? He can kill penalties. He blocks shots. Uh, he can get the puck up and down the ice. Um, he hits, but the most important thing with him is he's a quality human being, you know, obviously coming out of a program like North Jersey, uh, you know, it's a very unknown program, I think to a lot of teams in the Midwest over to the West, but in the East coast, that's a program that has a ton of respect uh they're they're right up there amongst the top tier one teams in the country year after year uh you know they've done a great job of that program up there so we're excited about him and and kind of seeing how he can make the transition into juniors so no that sounds exciting and let's let's figure out i guess a, a couple other players i'm not 100 percent familiar with at the moment and you've got uh, a centerman jacob is it flick out of uh sweden yeah. so jacob, Luke jacob, is, jacob, right yep exactly okay. um yeah. Lucas, well, so here's the thing. Lucas is our scout, one of our scouts. He, you know, he kind of heads up our international stuff over in the Sweden area. And, you know, he brought him to us, right? And he was probably, if not the first, one of the very first signings we made early on last year. But the the level that he played at at the, at the U20 level in Sweden was, was really good hockey. And the fact that he's in, you know, an 04 gives him a little bit more runway. But, uh, you know, I've got three videos sent to me the other day, you know, of him doing skill work. And, and just kind of trying to prepare himself for next year. And the Swedish guys are a different breed, right? Like I think they're probably the most well-rounded players as far as, you know, understanding a team game, being able to play on international ice, uh, being able to play all situations. Like those kids are usually very, very high IQ. Uh, and I think he kind of encapsulates all that. Um, you know, for us, I think we're, we're really excited for him to come in and you know, see how his game translates to the North America side. But, uh, yeah, he's got a really, really good tool set, uh, plays the game the right way. He's got a really good pedigree. I think his younger brother um, is, is, is on some international draft boards as far as, you know, him coming up the ranks and probably playing some pro hockey here in the U.S. Uh, in the next few years. So, you know, we're really excited to bring Jacob in and kind of see how his game translates here. That sounds exciting. And, yeah, the Swedish guys are uh, – they are a different breed. Uh, they – the training side alone is just 
completely different how they set up their system here. I think you and I were talking briefly before the podcast, um, uh, just learning the Swedish Danish side uh, of how things operate differently here in Scandinavia has, uh, it, it's been a lesson in and of itself for me being over here uh, at the moment. And then another player I'm not familiar with is I'm going to say Bacardi out of Fenton, Missouri. He's a uh, yeah. right-handed forward. John Lucas. So he goes by Duke. You know, I've actually known him for a little while. Yeah, I'm from St. Louis originally, right? So we had a lot of eyes on the Junior Blues program. Um, but I, I actually saw him last year at Chowder Cup in Boston. He was playing with uh, one of the teams from um, the group out of the Northeast area, Nick Skurlick, who runs some of those teams for like Coach's Choice. He's, you know, obviously he's involved in the Maine Nordiques organization. Uh, but that's how I kind of got, you know, eyes on Duke for the first time. And, uh, you know, he's extremely skilled. He's a great skater. Some of these guys, it's funny, like, you know, you don't really get a chance to see them play on Olympic ice. And then you think about them, you know, with as good of athletes as they are making that transition. And sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's harder for guys. But, you know, the guys that are really good skaters, when they move that, make that move to Olympic ice, it unlocks a little bit more time and space for them. And that's that's kind of what we feel like Duke is going to have here. Um, we've got some really, really good skating forwards, um, and he's one of them. I think, uh, you know, Duke has a, a lot of potential to score a lot of goals. And I think when you watch him play, he's just one of those guys that's kind of a puck magnet. Um, and I think it's because he anticipates the play very well. So, uh, you know, we're excited about the the potential of him, you know, coming in and, and helping us start to build an offense. But uh, yeah, no, Duke's a good kid. And, uh, you know, anytime we can get some St. Louis love, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep our ears open to hear it because uh, like I said, being from that area, you know, I've got a lot of respect and I know a lot of those programs like, you know, Kyle Kane with the Car Shield program, who's done a great job over there. And then, you know, Anthony Capaletti with uh, the Junior Blues and, and some of those age groups over there. So, uh, yeah, those kids are, are always high up on our list. Yeah, I guess keeping it in Missouri there, uh, Nicholas Noble out of Lee Summit. Yeah, Nick's actually, so he's out of Lee Summit. So he's a Missouri kid, like kind of that Kansas City area. Um, but the last, you know, year or so, he's been playing in Colorado Springs for Kevin Holmstrom, who's a good friend of mine. And, uh, he's just a I man, it's really tough to see. Like when you see some of these guys and unless you actually go watch the video, he, um, he's made some really big strides here in the last couple of years. And, you know, for me, the thing with the Colorado Springs program is it seems like, you know, they play a very, very tough independent schedule kind of in the NAPHL. They're not a tier one elite league program, but, uh, they're just as good as a lot of those programs. And, you know, they don't really seem to contend and the Colorado market's insane when you talk about, you know, going to nationals and trying to get out of your district and all that stuff. Um, there's always so many good teams there. So, you know, it's very tough for a team to kind of have a stranglehold year after year on, on getting to nationals and, and having a lot of success there. But uh, Kevin, Kevin breeds you guys that are ready to play juniors. Um, and that's, that's why we like, you know, working with him so much. That's why I like working with him. Uh, you know, his guys come out and they're, they're pretty polished and they understand the 200 foot game. And he, he does a tremendous job with them in Colorado Springs. And, uh, you know, we're excited to, to see what he can bring. Um, he's a goal scorer. Uh, he's got a really, really good set of wheels. You know, I think the schedule they played this year, you know, kind of prepares him for, for what we're going to be going into next year a little bit. But at the same time, when you make that transition to 19, 20-year-old men, um, it's a little bit different, right? So uh, offensive upside through the roof. Uh, you know, really, really good guy in the locker room by all accounts. We're, we're really excited to work with him and, and have him come into the fold here. And, and the other kid that was a Colorado Springs kid is Brady Porter. Uh, he's actually a local kid. Um, he's from here just outside of the Provo area. 
Uh, but they were teammates, you know, captains on that team. So Brady's more of a 200 foot, you know, win faceoffs, block shots kind of guy, kind of a heart and soul guy. And, and you can never have enough of those on a team. So, you know, between those two coming out of that program, um, you know, we're really, really excited to to see them make that transition into, you know, the tier two game. So to see the transition and, and see these players be able to hit that next level is always exciting. And, uh, you know, you've been able to see the footage of these players, you become familiar with them. I, I haven't been able to. And what's exciting for me is seeing the next round of players that I actually watched last year. Cause you, you've got a, a good selection of players that played with the, with the Verna Oilers slash Bellingham, one kid and uh, the Las Vegas uh, T-Birds last year. Um, let's talk about Alex Rene Barakovics from Slovakia. Yeah, I think his body of work last year speaks for itself, right? I think, um, you know, he had a, a million points in 60 games or whatever <laughs> yeah. for Vernal. And, uh, you know, he's just very, very uh, good with the puck on his stick. And, you know, he wants the puck on his stick. It seems like that rink they played on in Vernal was the size of a hamster cage at times. Uh, so you couldn't really get away from him and he could stick handle his way out of a phone booth. So, you know, he's a really, really good offensive skill set. Um, you know, we're excited about the offensive upside that he brings. And, you know, he's one of those guys that's just exciting to watch. Like anytime he has the puck on his stick, he can do a lot of different things with it. Uh, you know, he's got a real knack for scoring goals and, you know, I don't know how closely you guys followed them last year, but, uh, he's just got a really, really fun kind of personality on the ice. Like, I think he's very respectful to his opponents. I think he's very respectful of his own teammates. Um, you know, there was a game early in the season. So we split with them last year and there was a game early in the season where we didn't have any of these guys signed yet. And we got off to an atrocious start against them. I think they scored three goals in their first four shots of the game. Uh, and they were putting it to us pretty good. And, uh, you know, he, their guys were coming by kind of yapping at our bench a little bit and he would come by and tell them to shut up and tell, you know, tell his guys to keep their mouth shut. And we ended up coming back and making it a little bit of a tight game, but, uh, he, he was a pro about it. And that was the biggest thing for me that stood out is, you know, usually, at that level, when you talk about tier three, the guys that are putting a boatload of points, um, sometimes they can be a little uh, on the cocky side. And, you know, you don't really know how that's going to translate to a locker room. But by all accounts, he was a great kid. I mean, he was a pillar in that community last year uh, up in Vernal. Those guys were treated like rock stars there. Uh, you know, David does a great job, you know, bringing in good kids, bringing in good players. But, uh, you know, they're going to have a bronze statue out front of the Vernal Ice Rink someday of uh, David and and Alex and, you know, even Philip Molnar, who was there last year, he was the other one that scored like 500 points. Um, but no, they're great kids, great players and, you know, offensive upside, unbelievable. Uh, Philip, when you look at him is a little bit more, a little bit more of a leadership type guy. Um, I think he's more of a pass first guy, but I don't necessarily know if we would want him to be a pass first guy because he's got such a great shot and a great release. But, you know, him and him and Alex were kind of the two guys that, stirred that drink offensively for, for Vernal for so much last year, but they were extremely deep. I think, um, you know, it's always tough to gauge the division they played in was a lot newer as far as some of those organizations. And I think it took them some time early in the year to get their, you know, treading underneath them. Uh, but I will say like, you know, looking at some of those teams, they've got some very, very good young players coming out of that division next year. Uh, you know, from the Seattle team, from even Bellingham had a good player, a couple of good players that had moved on at some point during the season, um, you know, that are probably going to find their way here in tier two in the next year or so. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited for those kids out of that Northwest division. You know, I'm excited to see that division from a tier three standpoint this year and kind of see how it grows because uh, it made some strides last year. I think it was extremely top heavy, but I think, you know, Seattle bringing in a guy like uh, Mike Butters, that's kind of running, you know, their program now, it seems, um, 
you know, he'll get good players there. And I think those organizations as a whole and that division as a whole grow and be a lot better this year. Um, just because you kind of went on to, to Philip Molnar, um, let's stay in Slovakia. And, and I think you were trying to make your job easy and just recruit all the Phillips you could. So um, let's talk about Philip Lozani and, and kind of talk to us about his game. Yeah, a lot of these, like a lot of those kids are kind of, um, kind of wild cards. Uh, again, because you don't really know how that's going to translate to the to the tier two level. But, you know, Lozani was one of those guys that, you know, he was a sample size guy. I think when we played them early on in the year, he didn't really have his best game. Uh, when we played him later in the year at their building, I feel like the kid blocked two or three shots with his face, uh, really played all situations for him. Kind of one of those guys behind the scenes that, that really helps that engine go. You know, but I, I think he's got a lot of offensive upside. He's young. He's no four. So, you know, we were excited, you know, to bring him in. But, you know, those kids have such a chemistry together that, you know, to try to break them apart doesn't really make a ton of sense. Um, so, you know, we figured worst case scenario, we, we, we can bring them in and, and let them see if they can make that transition into tier two together. You know, Molnar's the obviously the older one out of the group. He's in 03. So, you know, he's a little bit more mature, I would say, from a personality standpoint um, with his game. But, you know, we're excited for all these guys like, you know, Lozani and, and, and Alex and, and Philip are coming in and just kind of seeing them, how they can make that transition from a chemistry standpoint from, you know, obviously going from tier three to tier two. It's going to be a much different situation and a much you know harder kind of hill to climb. But, uh, yeah, we're excited to see him try to make that transition and see how it works out. He was a dynamic player to watch last year. And you're right. He got better as the year went along. And. Honestly, the, the the talent they recruited out of Slovakia uh, with the Vernal Oilers last year was absolutely incredible, and they really they they dominated within the Northwest Division. But uh, and and before we continue on with with Vernal, Sebastian, let's uh, let's move on to a couple of players signed out of the Vegas uh, T-Birds. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about uh, you know my fellow French Canadians here, and, and let's hear a little bit about uh, you know Dumont and Saint Aubin. Yeah, oh man, so. Those two guys are are raw. Like when I look at, you know, St. Aubin, he, he's extremely raw. I mean, obviously, you know, drafted in the queue. Um, he's got a tremendous skill set. But I think, you know, my conversations with with their head coach and, and owner um, and some people on their staff is he's a tremendous skater. Uh, we didn't get a chance to play them at the showcase, but I did get a chance to watch him. I think he's got a very, very, very high ceiling that's just kind of just kind of taken off. You know, the, the most exciting thing for me is I just feel like that team last year in Vegas, the Pacific Division as a whole last year was extremely underrated. Um, it was the best I'd ever seen it from a competition standpoint, from a skill standpoint. Ontario had a tremendous team. Fresno had a tremendous team. San Diego was very good. Uh, and then obviously Vegas is the one that kind of came out of it. But, you know, we played those teams at the showcase and they were the real deal. Uh, Ontario jumped on us in the first game and we weren't able to recover. Uh, you know, we got our game underneath us when we played, you know, a couple of the other teams. And then ultimately the game against San Diego, which was the last game of the showcase, uh, was a tremendous game. And, uh, you know, th- those teams over there have a ton of skill. They were better than they ever have been. And, you know, that kind of taking that into consideration and look, I mean, look at the talent level that Vegas had, how many kids they've moved on to the NCDC. Unreal. I think it's like seven or eight guys, right? And I know Ogden's yeah. got the Trombley kid, which is, you know, really, really good. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing of that is with us being so close to them in proximity, and, you know, you, they're usually the only games that are left on when our games are over. So I know Kenny's the same way in Ogden. I know, you know, in, in Provo, I would always throw that game on, you know, their games on whenever we got finished up and just kind of watch the third period. But, yeah, you know, also with Dumont, I think he's extremely underrated. Um, 
I think he's an all situations guy, but I think if you see his natural skill set with, with the puck and, you know, the, some of the plays that he can make, you know, that was one of the biggest things that, that Corey was telling me from, from Vegas with his guys is, yeah, you know, we may have had some guys that put up more points, but some of the things that, that Dumont is capable of doing when he has the puck on his stick uh, is special, really special. And, you know, sometimes he can put it all together and sometimes he can't. So if he can, if he can make this transition into tier two and, and, and kind of figure out how to put all those pieces together and how to use all the, the different tools that he has in his toolbox the right way. Uh, we think that, that he's going to be a very, very tremendous player. And, you know, we think he's going to be a staple kind of what we're trying to do offensively. No, they were exciting players and dyna- they were dynamic players to watch last year. And I definitely think I at least have one Dumont uh, clip saved for this podcast in terms of highlight reel goals. Uh, he's He's got wheels. He's got hockey IQ. He's, he's a lot of fun to watch. And it's good to know that, um, you know, he, he's now linked up to your tier two program there in Provo and that he's going to be able to uh, have the opportunity to succeed and, and go even farther. We've, we've lost Sebastian, ladies and gentlemen, you get, you didn't get to hear the part I had to cut out there, but Sebastian has to go back to it here. So he won't be here for our outro, but we're going to keep talking Provo Predators hockey. And we're going to wrap with the last player I see officially signed so far for the season. And that's going to be Chappie, Tyler Chapman, uh, the 06 out of Missoula, Montana, who played with, if I'm not incorrect, Bellingham and Vernal last year. Yeah, uh, Tyler. Tyler's extremely raw. Like he's an 06. He's got a ton of skill. <clears throat> you know, I think early in the year when he was playing for Bellingham, he, um, you know, he was putting up a lot of points, and you know, he was kind of the guy there. Uh, and then when he jumped on board with Vernal, you know, he kind of joined a group that already had a lot of offensive production. So. He wasn't relied upon, you know, in, in such a heavy role. And I think for an 06, that's a, that's a good thing. Um, you know, he gets to play alongside of a guy like Bartikovics and Molnar and, and kind of see how they conduct themselves. And, you know, there's just not so, not as much pressure on a guy like him where in, in Bellingham when he was kind of relied to do everything, relied upon to do everything. You know, he comes into a situation where, you know, he can kind of relax a little bit and just find his game. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, as an 06 with a full year of Tier 3 junior experience under his belt, uh, obviously makes him very attractive to us at the tier two level. Um, our roster rules are a little bit different in the NCDC West. So, uh, you know, they want us to go younger and, you know, we're happy to do it. And, and he's a prototypical type of player that, that we're kind of looking at to come in next year with some junior experience and, and crack the roster and, and have a good year. So. No, he was exciting to watch last year. I definitely noticed him in Bellingham to start the year off uh, again, just, a skilled forward, and like you said, raw, and it, it's going to be incredible to see him kind of uh, hopefully make the roster this year and and continue to develop as a uh, as a skilled forward. Now that's the players I have that I've been able to track via Instagram posts because that's how I stalk all you teams via Instagram. Are there any players that you're willing to announce now on the podcast that uh, maybe haven't gone public on Instagram or another media source that we can chat about? Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think we can talk about a few of them. I think one that we're really excited about is a Cleveland kid. His name's Lance Mangle. Um, he's an 04. He played for the Barons last year. Uh, you know, he's got some interest from the North American League, and I know he's going to see that process out. And you know, we we want to support him in whatever way we can. But I know we've had really good conversations with him, and I know you know if he's in Provo next year, he's going to be a very very good offensive player. And um, you know, we're really excited to kind of get a chance to work with him potentially, but, you know, Lance is somebody who, who is probably one of the first guys that I was on last year, as far as a recruiting standpoint, um, tremendous player, tremendous kid, tremendous family. 
but yeah, like we're, you know, between him and then another kid that we have just signed recently out of Connecticut, Jason Gray, uh, another big, strong forward, uh, skates really well, has a really good skill set. I think, you know, for a guy like Jason, you know, you cut, you get these guys that come out of U18 AAA from good programs and they're used to being the guy, right? Like guy on the power play, the guy that scores the goals, the guy that kind of, you know, makes the offense go. And then you ask them to make that transition into juniors and understand what it is to play a role and, and do some of this other stuff. And, you know, the biggest thing for us is we just want mature kids that we think can handle that. And he's definitely a guy that checks off all those boxes for us. So, you know, he's another one um, from the Connecticut Chiefs U18 program. We're really excited about. Uh, we have a kid that is a Michigan kid, um, Ben Cleary. Uh, you know, we kind of saw him for the first time, you know, earlier this year, watching some of the tier one elite league stuff, but, you know, we really saw him in Colorado a few, I would say a little bit over a month ago at a, uh, a different combine, you know, we were kind of doing some scouting with Zach. Um, and it became clear right away that with this kid's, you know, set of wheels that he has on him, you know, on Olympic ice, he could do a lot of damage. So, you know, we really pressured him kind of hard. He had a lot of uh, a lot of interest from a lot of different teams, and ultimately he decided to uh, to sign a tender with us. And you know, we're really really excited to kind of get to work with him. But I think when you look at our makeup of our team and kind of what what we're going to be next year, ultimately when the dust settles, like we think we're going to have a very young team, but I think we're going to have a very skilled team. Like some of our draft picks early on, um, Campbell App, Rhett Perrin, you know, guys like that that, that are Canadian guys um, that. They're big, strong, work really hard, play the game the right way. Uh, Campbell, you know, he's already built like a grown man. He's 6'2", 6'3". Uh, he's got some meat on him. He's got a really good skill set. He played up to U18 last year in the Winnipeg area. You know, we've had some really good conversations with him and his family. But that was kind of our philosophy from a drafting standpoint is, uh, you know, we wanted some guys that we thought had, had been <clears throat> kind of underutilized or kind of flown under the radar, you know, maybe had a lot more potential that hasn't really been scratched yet. And, you know, I know the other side of it is going after some of these really, really big name guys and kind of hoping that they trickle down and fall into your lap. And then you've got yourself a pretty polished junior player. But, you know, we wanted guys that we thought we could work with and, and get the potential out of that maybe hadn't blossomed quite yet. So, you know, that's what we think we have with some of the guys that we drafted. And, you know, we're really excited to, to get them in Provo and get to work with them. And, you know, we think a good amount of them are, are going to be ready to play next year. So if that means, you know, instead of us having to have one 06 in the lineup, we have to have three or four 06s in the lineup because they're ready and we can get those guys polished and hopefully playing in the USHL the following year. Like, that's exactly what we want for those guys. So, you know, that's that's what we're the most excited about. But I'm sure you guys follow the draft. Yep. The biggest one for us that we're the most excited about at this point um, from a young standpoint, you know, with his age and kind of where he's at with everything <clears throat> is Gavin Black. Gavin Black out of Alaska. He played up to U18 last year uh, on a good team in Team Alaska. <clears throat> and I think uh, there was a little bit of uncertainty around the draft on whether he was going to play in the NCDC or, you know, he was trying out for some really, really, really good tier one elite league teams across the country and just kind of seeing what offers he had. But what ultimately ended up happening is, you know, we got a commitment out of him and he's going to be in Provo next year. And we're really, really excited for that. Gavin uh, plays the game like a man. He's very mature beyond his years, uh, has a really, really high skill set, a really, really high IQ. Uh, but I would say, like, is from an excitement standpoint of watching him play, uh, the kid's got everything and he can do everything. Um, you know, how he puts that all together and translates to junior hockey, you know, we'll find out here in the fall. But um, really, really excited to work with Gavin. He's got a great, you know, great advisor. 
uh, great family. You know, all of our conversations with him and his advisor, Cliff, out of CKM up in the Vancouver area. Um, very, very professional. And I think we all are on the same page and want the same thing for Gavin, which is to get him a really good year. It's year two experience. And then hopefully get him playing in the USHL the year after that with some NCAA interest. So. Yeah, that would be excellent. You've, you've got a lot of players uh, uh, you announced there and I'm, I'm excited to see them officially announced on, on Instagram and elsewhere. And it, it seems like you're building a really, really incredible program because again, the, the predators only existed for one year in tier three and you know, they're, they're thrust now into, and it was already kind of known that they'd be heading into the NCDC the, the following year. So there was, you know, plans to develop that tier three program and develop that fan base and get the fans in Provo coming back out the games. And now you have this awesome opportunity as a, as a tier two program to get really amazing talent throughout the country and and find a way to get these players up to a tier one program and and get more eyes on them. And so if players are looking to reach out to you now as just the, the GM of the Provo Predators, what should they be looking to do in order to get attention? Because I do I do on this podcast get a lot of players and families that reach out and they just want to know, like, hey, how is the best way to to reach out to a tier two program and get my son up to that next level to get, to get eyes on him and, and for people to see how talented I am or how, how talented my, my son is, what would be the best route for them to go through in order to kind of get, you know, eyes on because you, you have scouts all over the world. So what would be the best, what would be the best route for parents and players to follow? Yeah, I think, you know, there are two things. One, um, we just changed ownership groups. So, uh, the group that's stepping in as far as ownership goes uh, are building a brand new website that will be launched on June 1st. So uh, we're getting a major overhaul, major upgrade when it comes to that stuff. Um, so that'll be announced here very soon. But for right now, we're kind of living off of uh, ProvoPredsNCDC.com. Um, that's the link to our only summer camp. And that was important to us that we only had one camp and the fact that you know, we, Ray and I didn't want to spend, you know, all of our power early on, especially as this organization is getting off the ground, you know, trying to promote and fill camps. You know, we wanted one camp that we thought was going to be more of a main camp structure. And then we wanted our training camp in August uh, here in Provo. So the good thing that's done for Ray and myself is it's given us a lot of flexibility to really attack the recruiting side and really get some of these players kind of on board with what we're doing and, and tendered and signed into our organization um, early on. So, you know, that's that's one of the things I like so much about what we have going right now is the infrastructure and the manpower that we have to get stuff done. Um, it's a great group of guys to work with and a great group of guys to be around. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Nick.Dryer at ProvoPreds.com. Uh, that's N-I-C-K dot D-R-E-Y-E-R at ProvoPreds.com um, is how you get in touch with me directly. And just like anybody else in this game, I live on my email. Um, I pretty much check it every five minutes or so. So. It's very, very accessible for me, and, and it's a very easy way to get in touch with me. So um, one other guy, because so you are making the move out to the Vancouver area, right? Yeah, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I at the moment, we are pretty solidified on the decision that uh, this fall we will be relocating to Victoria on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, leaving Copenhagen. And maybe, just maybe, ladies and gentlemen, I can... I can invest in a location and get a house and, and 
unload three storage units in three countries into one location and never leave again. And that's the that's the ultimate plan. But yeah, that would be uh, Victoria. So speaking of, well, we got a little BCHL love for you with uh, one of the kids that we just signed. Um, his name's Ben okay. Picard. San Jose kid um, started the year with Wenatchee, played six or seven games for the uh, BCHL team, and then you know ultimately wanted to go back and, and finish high school, you know, locally there in San Jose. So that's what he ended up doing. He went back home and, and ended up playing U18 for the Sharks there to finish the season out. But a uh, really, really tremendous kid, really tremendous player, really excited to to get an opportunity to work with Ben. But, you know, he's one of the guys we have with a little bit of BCHL experience. Um, the other kid out of the Sharks program is Nolan Mix. Uh, those two were, from an offensive standpoint, you know, two of their main guys last year in San Jose. Um, but, yeah, a couple of West Coast guys that are over there in the Pacific region. Um, one of them's got some experience up there in that area. You know, you're going to be living in pretty soon, it sounds like. So Yeah. Yeah, we're excited for it. Um, and uh, I, I'm ready to stop moving around the world and, uh, and, and definitely getting into what's going to be an awesome year of hockey coming forward. Uh, not only in the USPHL Premier West, but the NCDC West and uh, the VIJHL. So if you're VIJHL, feel free to reach out because I will be not only watching on hockey TV, I'll be able to go to games again. Finally, and I'm excited for that. So, but before we wrap this up, Nick, is there anything you kind of want to talk about in terms of your program uh, that the the locals there in Provo should know about heading into next year, and for anybody else that's going to be watching the Provo Predators program next year? You know, I I think along with everybody else in our division, like they would tell you, is we're just we're just trying to grow this thing the right way. Um, I think. Going through the process of, of making that transition is extremely difficult. Um, obviously, you know, you get a lot more interest from kids that want to play at that level. But, you know, I think for for our, you know, for our program, and I would say, you know, every program in our division, you know, it's it's about trying to find the best talent you can find. But it's also about trying to find the best, you know, kids you can find and the best human beings that you can bring into your organization. Um, so, you know, that's that's been the toughest part for us. But as far as our, you know, infrastructure goes with our organization we've actively hired uh chief marketing officer um you know different people to do different things that that just kind of bolster things that you know we were trying to do last year as a two-man show um you know everything from trying to put fans in the seats to social media stuff uh you know we retained lauren who, who did our social media stuff for us last year she does an unbelievable job uh tyler's coming back as our strength conditioning coach and, and he's going to be an assistant coach for us as well so you know, we're really excited about having a lot more help and a lot more, you know, good hockey people in the fold here with us. But I think there'll be some really, really big things going on here. The guys that that took over our organization, uh, John Tuggle and Zach Sabatini, that, you know, they had the Nashville Spartans last year. Um, they own that team as well. But John's a tremendous resource as an owner because he, he loves the game of hockey. Um, he's obsessed with it just like everybody else. And you know, he, he's involved to a point to where he wants to know what's going on. Like he wants to know what we're up to and, and who some of these players are because he's genuinely that excited about it. But he's also good in the sense that, you know, he's let he's letting Ray and I do our job. And, you know, Zach, as far as uh, a GM goes with with Nashville and kind of helping get that program off the ground and running with a new head coach that they just hired. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of getting pulled in a couple different directions. Uh, but, you know, he's he's basically the director, I would say, over over both organizations as far as 
you know, what he's doing on a daily basis is fielding calls and trying to help fill the team in Nashville. And then also kind of being a, a liaison for Ray and myself to, to help us out and give us anything we need. Um, but yeah, Zach Sabatini and John Tuggle have been really, really good resources to, to come into this organization and, and the manpower that they've provided us with. And also just the resources in general from a day-to-day -day standpoint that these guys are going to have here in Provo next year is, uh, I guess, spoiled the word that come to mind. Like, I wish I had the stuff that they're going to have next year, you know, when I was playing at their age, uh, wish I was treated that way because uh, it's pretty special. And I think, you know, there are a couple of guys that aren't going to cut corners and they do things the right way. So. No, it seems like it's, it's trending in the right direction. It seems like everything's on just getting even better and better there in Provo. And uh, hopefully that continues to attract the, the best talent uh, heading into tier two, uh, that can be pushed on uh, there further to tier one. But I think this is a great place to wrap this episode up, Nick. Uh, we did lose Sebastian along the way, so there won't be a Sebastian in a, or whatever Sebastian would say at the end of an episode. I don't know. I've only had him on once in the last six months, and he had a bounce on this episode. But uh, uh, we definitely want to thank all of your listeners for tuning in. Be sure to reach out if you're in the junior collegiate hockey wish again on a future podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at PageHOfficial to let us know what you think. We also have Instagram and TikTok, so check those out. We love dropping highlights of the players. That said, this is the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and today's special guest, the general manager of the NCDC's Provo Predators, Nick Dreyer. Thank you so much. It was always a pleasure to talk with you. And, yeah, the, the brief conversation with Seabass, uh, I think every time I've been on, you know, he's been your your co-host. So maybe it's just good luck with me and get, being able to track him down <laughs> here. Well, whenever I mention you're coming on a podcast, uh, he he stakes claim. So <laughs> uh, coaches like talking to coaches, and that uh, you know that I guess one plus one equals eleven there for me. So, uh, but that yeah. said, thank you, listeners, and remember, always clear your crease.